thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Be aggressive. Let's win. Here we go. Let's start out by, by you taking us through your story, which an amazing one it is. Uh, your story that has has brought you to, to this point in your career. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if, if you look at my background, my my uh, career, actually, I fell into athletics. And I know my former boss would say, say stop saying that, but truly and honestly, I fell into athletics. You know, my background, my, my degrees are in counseling. And so um, when I got my, uh, when I did my undergraduate uh, internship, I started out with Mindy Sulfur in uh, Greek, director of Greek life. And um, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I love working with her um, because she gave me that opportunity to, um, just get out there and do what I needed to do to create. And so when I uh, started at Hampton and was ready to do my graduate internship, I really, really wanted to work with her again. And so, but at that time she moved down to athletic academic support. And so I was like, well, should I give it a try? Because I really, really wanted to work with her. And so that's how I got into athletics. So, you know, doing study hall, working with the student athletes, um, you know, advising and, and try to get into that. And so, you know, back then, and I'm not dating myself, they really did not have a lot of athletic academic support programs. And so, you know, it comes to the end, it's time to graduate. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna send these letters to um, the, the local um, institutions in the area and um, ask them, can I start their athletic advocacy? academic support program. And of course, Hampton University was one that I sent the letter to Dr. Dennis Thomas. And um, he actually responded to my letter and I wasn't home. Cause you know, back then, you know, you had landlines and not cell phones. And when I uh, got back with him, he wasn't available. And then uh, he never called me again. So that was it. So at that time I had no choice. I needed to find a job in my, um, I would say, quote unquote, real job of starting my career, because actually at the time I was working for a company called Track Lease that leased chassis to steamship lines, to containers that the uh, trucks, the 18 wheels that you see on there, we leased the, the wheels that go under the containers. And so um, a friend of mine um, in my grad school class said that the Dean of Women at Hampton is looking for um, an assistant. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll interview. Um, and it just so happened, and let's talk about relationship or how small the world is. Um, her aunt used to babysit me when I was young um, and because we're, I'm a military brat and of course our military families. So she hired me, but in that her boss, the vice president of student affairs, Dr. Ronnie Smith 
um, about a year and a half in, he's like, you know, how's it going? And I say, I love what I'm doing, but that's not what I want to do. I really want to get into athletic academic support. And previous to that, you know, I'm a, I'm a Delta and um, I had met these cues who had to be um, football coaches at Hampton. And so we used to hang out together. And so when I was um, doing my grad work at, at ODU, they were saying, well, why won't you come over here and do study hall for us? Why won't you come over and you know advise our students? And so they gave me a, a, about five students to work with. And so my name was already floating around in the athletic department due to uh, uh, Coach Joe Taylor you know, um, and then the other coaches as well. And so when Dr. Smith reached back out to Dr. Thomas, he set up an interview and then Dr. Thomas hired me um, into athletics. And so that's how I got into it. I started the athletic academic support program at Hampton. Uh, about a year later, I became the senior woman administrator. And then um, when the commissioner went to the MEAC in 2002, about two months later, he sent for me and he said, the only thing I have open is compliance. And I was like, I hate compliance, but hey, I'm going to go with you. And hopefully that's, I won't be doing compliance for long. Um, and so that from there, I, I went up the ranks into the, into the office, um, in the conference office. And unfortunately I did compliance up until January, or I say December 31st, <laughs> I was still responsible for compliance. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to, um, experiences to um, learn about athletics. You know, I did not play athletics. Um, I did, um, I played one rec league summer of softball. And, you know, I was one of the ones that got the participation award. That was me. And then um, I played church league. And I always say that I ended my uh, career in softball when I fell off the bench cheering. That's as much talent in sports that I had. Um, so I've, Dr. Thomas gave me the opportunity to learn various pieces of, of athletics in order to get me to where I am today. Right, 2020, COVID, yeah. social justice discussions that we've had, uh, a lot of challenging, a lot of um, adverse, ad, adversity, but you know, some of it has been welcomed. You know, when we talk about the social justice initiatives, when we talk about the social justice talks that we that we've been forced to have in our society. But, but what is what has this moment done to help you be a better leader? What are the things that you think you've learned from this moment in our time in your career? Yeah, I, I think, you know, with with the um, social justice, with, with George Floyd, um, the sparking, you know, the, the, the movement, um, it has ignited the the need for um, the general public or companies to be involved with HBCUs, and so which is a tremendous thing uh, asset, you know, um, that we have enjoyed for this last couple of years. But it's very important when you're looking at that um, when we are engaging with corporate partners um, that they are just want to just throw money at you just to say that they're attached to an HBCU, but not really making an impact. You know, we're looking at corporate partners who want to make impact investing in our institutions that's going to be sustainable and not something that is just uh, trending right now because of social justice to, to, to make themselves look good. 
Um, that has been an important lesson to, to really, you know, you get excited like, oh, okay, everybody's coming at you, but all money is not good money. And, and we want to make sure that it's something that's really, really going to impact our institutions. Um, the other piece is given our, our opportunity for our student athletes to really talk about um, social justice and the impact that, they, that they've had on, on their campus or through their lives. And it, it's um, one of our, our, our SACs um, had a, um, a seminar or a workshop um, for all the SAC um, that was driven by the SAC, um, advi not SAC advisor, but the SAC presidents of all the member institutions and where they brought in um, police officers from various um, cities to talk about how can we work together, you know, to, to you know, how can they, you know, what is the feeling on both sides? You know what I'm saying? Get a better understanding. And so that was very important. But when you talk about the COVID, you know, you talk about adversity, this, these are challenges. And so we want to know how, and like you, we talked about at the beginning, you got to be able to pivot. You know, you got to be able to make the adjustment. And sometimes you got to make the adjustment quickly. And very fortunately is when we, I think we're in history as being one of the last basketball tournaments to shut down um, during COVID. Um, it gave us an opportunity to uh, create a forecasting committee with our, pres our um, athletic directors, senior women administrators, and uh, faculty athletic rep uh, representatives to see what we need to do as we move forward. So the planning was like weekly, you know, as we made the adjustment and foreseen what we need to change in order to be able to have an athletic season and keep our student athletes um, safe and healthy. And on top of that, we have a committee that is um, made up of the team doctors and student uh, and the trainers um, that is our, um, our safety and medical or health and medical advisory committee. And um, that is run by uh, Dr. Harry Stafford, who I just named as our chief medical officer because he's been integral in um, running the advisory committee and um, instructing the leadership on where we need to go um, as far as keeping our student athletes health and safety, health and safe, as well as how do we need to, a protocol that we need to do when we're putting on events and in our tournament that we're coming up actually in, in a few. So um, when you talk about that verse, you talk about challenges, but you have to put those plans into place. And then what's the contingency plan when something doesn't work out? So just having those, those operational steps in place that helps when the the advisory committee is monitoring the state level, the local level, and then the national level, and then how we need to pivot conference-wise in order to continue to keep our student athletes and fans and, and coaches safe. Yes, the, the, you use the word pivot. And uh, that I call it, I'm talking about adjusting and adapting and, mm -hmm. and finding a way to, to continue to grow, to continue to do your job, which is helpful institutions uh, change the lives of their, their young men and women as they, as they continue. So let's talk about you and, and bringing people aboard. You, you talked about um, people that you named. Um, 
you know, as, as your advisors in terms of the medical uh, staff. What is it that you look for when you bring people on? And, you know, in my world, it's athletic directors. It's asking them how do they, you know, how do they hire coaches? Um, but when you talk about your staff, what are the qualities you look for when you, when you want to put people on your bus? Well, so one of the things that I love to do is I like to observe. I like to observe people and, and how they operate, how they relate to other people, because one, it's got to be somebody with a positive attitude. It's got to be somebody who has got a, a strong work ethic. And in my current staff, there are three former interns that worked with me. So for instance, my deputy commissioner um, was an intern back in 2005. And seeing that work ethic, um, the commissioner brought him back. Um, he left and worked at Coppin State in compliance. And then we brought him back a year later because of the work ethic. And so, um, so he's one individual that, you know, he was hungry, you know, positive attitude, um, love the way he relates to the, the membership and the membership really enjoys him. He knows what he's talking about. The second person that I said I've always wanted to work with is an intern in the same intern class was Alexis Robinson, um, who's an amount of my senior associate commissioner and senior woman administrator, another person. She was an intern, same class. Um, she left, went to Norfolk State, went to um, Howard. I got her from Villanova, but just working, looking at her, she, when she worked under me, it was like, if I left, she could pick up what I was doing. So she didn't like wait to say, okay, I need to hit instruction. She watched, she picked it up. She, it was like another staff member. And so I was like, I have to work with her again. So that this opportunity was, was great. Another gentleman um, was an intern actually about three years ago of graphics. He outstanding, same thing, that positive attitude. That's very important. And so a lot of individuals, because, you know, athletics, a lot of times we know each other, we've been um, around each other um, in various, you know, games, events. And if you just watch people, how they work, you know, you don't hear anything bad. Um, you don't hear them gossiping. You know, they, you just, you watch them and you're like, okay, I really want to have that person a part of my team. And so that's kind of how I picked the individuals um, around me. Um, that's, that's very important. Um, and they didn't get comfortable. You know how people get comfortable, you know, they, they work real good. They on point, and then all of a sudden, they about a month in, then they're like, "Oh, I'm not coming to work on time," or you know, or they're just not really going the extra mile. And these individuals just went above and beyond. You know, when you work working in athletics, it's not a nine to five. You know, you you want to have somebody who takes it not as a job, but this is their career. And so they're going to put all their efforts into it to get a good product. They're not what I would say, don't call in, you know, they're calling it in, you know, they're just going to give you exactly what you want, a plain piece of paper with some words on it. Look, I want it pretty, you know, make it sing, make it visual. Um, and so those are the kind of individuals that, especially for my vision 
of being more um, storytelling about the conference visually and creatively, I had to have those individuals who have shown that type of initiative in the past. Sandy, you, you, you put quite a bit into that answer because I, I have to talk to younger coaches about the importance of ethics. I talk to young coaches about the understanding that somebody's always watching and the interview is ongoing. And and when you think when you think it's time to be comfortable, you no, know, that's that's the time when you gotta pick up the pace. And you, you said it earlier that you know all of a sudden you you hire someone and then when they feel like they've arrived then you get to see the real to me it's it's like when, when people are dating you know when you're trying to when you're trying to get the guy or uh-huh. you are you're taking a shower you know yeah. you put in deodorant but then once you feel like you've got them mm-hmm. and you don't shave anymore you know then yeah. you don't do the things that you did to get the job mm-hmm. and and that's the, that's the pathway to destruction when you talk about athletics. You said this earlier as well, is that it's a small world. And I, and I always like to say, it's not what you know mm-hmm. or who you know, mm-hmm. it's who knows you. Right. And, and and that, you know, they know you because like you talked about with your interns, you had the opportunity to be around them. You've watched their work ethic. You, you learn about their character, who they are, how they report to work. Right. It's, it's vital for me. You, you talk about an athletics program. You're talking about the conference level. Or you're talking about players who get to play on the field on Saturday. It's mm-hmm. all about your level of accountability, your level of credibility that you've earned. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it starts there, but it, it is a continual process, you know, every day. Oh, yeah. So, now, so- let me let me tell you this, now, and I'm glad you said that, because one thing that I've always kept in my mind is always work like you're going to get fired. You know, if you always work like you're going to get fired, you're going to make sure that you put in your best effort the whole time. And that's very important. Um but, but yeah, I, I think it's very important that, especially when you're, you're looking at the difference, and I always say learn the culture of where you're going, because somebody could be great on a campus, but conference life is a little bit different. And sometimes they'll get in there and it's just not a right fit. And then I'd be like, you know, they, they're good. That's like, they could, but this is not a right fit. And so they might not last long because it's just that they might be better suited on a campus rather than a more rigid, um, I always say like it's more of a, a corporate level in the conference office than it is on a campus level. So you just got to be people have to be mindful of, you know, making sure that don't just get a job because, oh, this is a great place to be. I want to work there. But is it really a good fit for me? Right. So we talk we, we talk about the the people who you hire, what about the people who have been an influence for you in terms of their leadership? Who are who are the greatest leaders that you've been around? And, and what have you learned from those people? Yeah, so there's my top three. I'm gonna say my top three. A lot of individuals really influence me because I, I like again, I like to observe people and pick up little thing, little things and, and try to use that. But um 
my top three first is Mindy Sofer, who was my, my supervisor for my undergraduate and my graduate um, um, internship. You know, she taught me how to be a compassionate leader. Um, she, she taught me how to do my work ethic. You know, when you're a student, you're going to graduate, you know, you're a little you know, I'll show up to this. Nah, I won't do that. No, she she was just as compassionate. She understood, but she kept me on the right pace and said, "Hey, you need to do this." Um, or, but she gave me the latitude to grow. Um, I I want to actually uh, created a uh, community service initiative that I got an award for under her leadership, and that was her giving the opportunity to grow um, and be creative on my own. And I totally, totally. Um, have her as one of my ultimate people that I absolutely love who got me started to where I am. Um, my second person is um, Jewel Long, who was my first boss, Dean of Women, former Dean of Women at Hampton University. She told me, taught me about learning the culture of where you are. So coming from a predominantly white institution into an HBCU, it's a different culture. So at, at ODU, I'm Sonia. But when I got to Hampton, no, you're not, Sonia, you're Miss Stills. You know, you have to carry yourself a different way because you look like the students. So, which means that you have to dress a different way to separate yourself. Um, she taught me so much about learning the culture of HBCU and how to interact. Um, and I just, to this day, she, I, really connect with her every day you know she's constantly teaching um and and um she is forever forever one of my um my my leaders um that i absolutely love the last person of course is dr dennis thomas the former MEAC commissioner he has gave given me the opportunity he has challenged me constantly and so being uh, at the 19 years working with him is never the same thing each year. And that's very important when you're working with somebody is have, getting the challenges um, and opportunities to grow. Um, when I, at Hampton, you know, I never, I was never a cheerleader. I wanted to be, my best friend was, I wasn't, but he gave me responsibilities over the cheerleaders. So learning that type of thing, how to put on an event um, to just recently, a couple of years ago, of being responsible for esports. I played esports since I had Atari back in the day, and I'm playing Pac Man and Frogger. But, you know, I got to get up on it and everything. So that is, has been my greatest challenge, but is my most fulfilling challenge um, as it's growing that we you know we don't got our first conference play in the fall, you know, and we're moving forward with this to create a, a varsity esports program for HBCUs. So the, the challenge that he's given me constantly, when I would say, he said, I need you to do this. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And he'd be like, well, you don't tell me what you're not going to do. And I'm like, well, I'm just saying that because I'm going through my process. I'm going to do it, but let me go through my process. You know, you know, just be able to to get out there and just grow, you know, with him. Um, so I think that has been tremendous in my career with him. What I hear is the importance of the leader continuing to challenge, continuing to put, you know, to continuing to put those people under pressure, right? Because because the profession 
because society, because the world will will do that same thing. Uh, and, and I, you know, I always look at it, you know, as I've grown to be a seasoned coach, I always look at it as a great responsibility, a great honor to be in the position because I just, you just talked about the people who led you, you know, but if we really think about it, there are so many people who follow you and who follow your direction. They may not directly work with you, but they look up to you and you mentor them and you lead them. And so it's the same way that your leaders have, have led you to this place and, and how, you know, just like as a parent, we say, I'm, I'm still parenting, <laughs> you know, he's grown, but I'm still parenting. You know, that's the same thing with us as leaders. We end up continuing to parent as leaders. My my next question is, you know, as a coach, I I get an opportunity to to train a freshman. The freshman walks in and he does not know anything, but yes, he thinks he knows everything. And and I get to watch him grow and I, I get to see the light bulb eventually off in his head where he gets that thing that I've been pounding on him forever. You know, he finally gets it. And so and so we earn championships and winning games and playing in bowl games and winning those bowl games. Beyond that, that is a win for me. That is game day for me. So my next question is, is what is what is game day for you as a conference commissioner? Wow, what is game day? Wow, um, that's a great question. You know, when when I, it's funny when you're, you're talking about when you bring a, a freshman in and you tell them something and they just not gonna do it and they finally click. It's funny because um, one of my assistant commissioner came in um, actually the other day and she starts talking about, oh, I gotta talk to this person and, and they didn't, they don't, understand that they got to learn that this is how we do things and whatnot. And I'm like laughing because that's the same conversation that I had with her when she first got there, like, Hey, and that's part of got to learn the culture. When you go to a job, learn how, here's the thing as, as a a leader, you want individuals who are going to come in and push you further, right? You want them to be able to, to take you to another level. But before you can take me to that other level, do you know where we are right now? You know, do you learn why we do the things that we do? Um, And understand that we might have already tried your ideal before and it didn't work. So that's why we do what we're doing. So once you learn what we're doing and why we do it, then you can take it from there and go. So it's, it's those lessons that they may not get at the beginning, but when they become a leader, then they they under truly understand that as they go. So I always say it's hilarious to me when that stuff happens. So go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. So so when you're talking about you know getting ready for, for instance, when you talk about the basketball tournament, you know when we talk about um, how we lay things out, you know I want to make sure that we have planned 
You know, we plan months out in advance and you have to do that because of, you gotta be able to adjust and pivot on things, but you should not adjust and pivot on things that you know are supposed to happen. You wanna adjust and pivot for something new that happens. You know, not something that, because you have training them to, what it, muscle memory. You know, if you do muscle memory, then you're always expecting things to happen the way they're supposed to happen. You're supposed to make sure that you order this on time because this will come and that type of thing. You know, if you are on a checklist and you're following the plan, then nine times out of 10, you're going to be fine. And when you have to pivot, it's not a disaster because you don't have to catch up from stuff that you did not do, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my final question, um, this has been, I mean, we could go all night, but uh, I want to respect your time. But my final question is, if you can talk to young Sonia Steele, mm-hmm. you know that young lady that you know now that she just had no clue about back then. Mm-hmm. Huh. I would tell her, don't wear that. You shouldn't have wore that. Don't wear that. And don't date him. He is not, don't date him. You're better off. But, and actually, I would, I would tell her that um, you're going to be fine build those relationships. Um, And I would tell her that prepare yourself to be front and center and in the light Um, because you love to be in the background. You you like to to put people before you to, to make them successful, but you need to prepare yourself to be front and center. And I think that's one of the things that I struggle with because I am so comfortable in the background. I can do what I want to do. But, you know, sometimes it's like, dang, I got to talk to these people. There's like 400 people in this room. And I'm like, huh, how am I going to? But being able to be comfortable in, in being front and center and to be able to tell my story, to, to tell my vision. Um, and um, that has been something since I came to the conference off, shoot, into athletics is being that front and center, educating individuals um, and be able to brand the conference, my institution or whatever um, is very important. And, and the way you, you relate to, to the audience or individuals is extremely important. So that's what I would tell my younger self. Okay. And hopefully, hopefully she would listen. I hope- <laughs> No, because if I, she see that dude, she would just like, come, I told you so. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I, I do appreciate your willingness to pivot with me. Um, this has been a, a great discussion. And I, you know, like I said earlier, it, to have the opportunity to visit with with the leaders that we have on this podcast has been refreshing, not only for me, but for the people who have expressed their uh, enlightenment and what they've gotten from the podcast. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to have to do this again. Absolutely. I enjoy I, the, the No matter what happened, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I look forward to having more conversations with you.